Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you find yourself on this glorious day. Welcome to today's Big Heart to Heart. I want to talk to you today about sustainability in family daycare. Now, did I just say today's Big Heart to Heart? I mean today's podcast. Now I've confused myself. Anyway, uh, just letting you in on a little secret. It is currently 20 past six in the morning, so my brain hasn't kicked in yet. I haven't had a full coffee. I'm sure you all know how that feels. You know, the family knocks on the door five minutes early and you come like, I haven't finished my coffee yet. Anyway, I digress. So I want to chat to you today about sustainability and the importance of sustainability in your service. Now, if you did listen to last week's Big Heart to Heart, you know that we covered a whole lot of ground in that and might have even got a little bit ranty, uh, but it's important because if we are going to continue to enjoy the work that we do and have it as a vocation, not a job, then we need to look at long-term strategies. Now, sustainability isn't just about being green. It's so much more than that. And if the last couple of years have told us anything or taught us anything, it is exactly that. So I want you to maybe grab a note pen, a note pen. <laughs> maybe I need to uh, wake myself up first. Grab a notepad and a pen and... Uh, how many of you actually knew what I was talking about there too? <laughs> and take some time, really take some time and do some reflection on this because it is important and it is something that we really need to master and really step up and step into for the longevity of what we choose to do as a career and a vocation. Um, and for passion and for the joy and for the love and all those wonderful things that we choose to work in early childhood education, it takes a special person to do that. Not everybody can do it and not everyone can do it well. And I want to see you doing it well just by giving you tools and tips and tricks and hints that you can easily assimilate into your everyday practice. So that being said, Strap in, my friends. Here we go. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Big Hearted Podcast. My name is Victoria Edmund, and I am your host. Our aim here at the Big Hearted Podcast is to nurture a community of heart centered educators to change the perception and delivery of early childhood education and care in Australia and ultimately around the world. We want you to be inspired by our guests and the topics we bring to you to think of new ways of being as an educator. We want you to feel a sense of belonging via this podcast so that you can engage any time of the day or night in any place that suits you. We want you to become an educator that delivers education from the heart, as we believe this is how we create great change within our world. So join us as we discover new ways to inspire each other here the Big Hearted Podcast. Okay, we are back. Okay, so what I want to talk to you 
really essentially about is a business model. <laughs> and I think this is a conversation that is massively missing in the FDC arena. If you've been following me for a while, you will have heard me talk about this stuff a lot. And I always try to put it into a context that is easy to understand because I know that a lot of you are coming from centers or you've not necessarily had your own business before, but there are some cold, hard truths that we need to wrap our heads around. Things are not getting easier. <laughs> like we are subjected to playing by the government's rules, right? We all know why they're there. We all know the purpose of them, but we have to be able to put ourselves in a position where we feel like we can be making decisions. Now, the only way to do that is to have a direction and to have a plan, because if you have a plan, you can I hate to use this word because it was so overused in COVID times, but you can pivot, you can change direction. You have all of the information available to you. If you haven't got a plan and changes are afoot, what it can do is see you in panic mode because you're just blindly traveling along. Now, how do I know that? Uh, because I did that for a long time. I have been in business for myself for over 10 years now, and I have learned a tremendous amount, but I have only learned a tre tremendous amount by having mentors who have been there, done that before me. Now, um, the first mentor I had was Dale Beaumont from Business Blueprint, and he was fabulous never worked in early childhood education ever in his entire life. And so when I went to the first um, seminar that he put on, he put on four a year for three or four days. You're there. So good. Um, but the first seminar was on sales. And I was like, I'm not in sales. I don't sell anything. And he was like, yeah, you do. And I was like, no, no, I'm in early childhood education. I don't sell anything. And he goes, you're selling your service. Like, yes, people are joining it and it may not be a physical product that you're selling, but you're still selling a service. And that was the very first time I started to look at my business differently. That's when I started to realize that I had zero strategy. Now, if your only strategy is to get up and run your business, run your day to the rhythm that you have set, um, I, I really... I really implore you to broaden your perspective and and really start taking on some of these tips because when you are empowered and when you feel like you have more sense of ownership over what you do, then you're more invested and you start to really look at the things you do on the daily very, very differently. So... You might be this person who spends a huge amount of time programming and going above and beyond because you think this is where you need to justify yourself or this is what it means to be a good educator. And for those that are listening, I'm using air quotes. 
Okay, so that's all good and well, but if it burns you out or it's not sustainable because you can't continue with that flow of work, let's say, for example, you've got this fabulous group of three and four-year-old children who engage in beautiful play all the time you know they you know they don't really need you too much and life is great and you get all this time to do your documentation and blah 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 because the kids don't re- the children don't really need you right and then someone leaves and someone else comes in and the dynamic is completely different you now all of a sudden can't sustain that workload that you had previously. All of a sudden, your families are notice, noticing a significant drop off in what you're producing. They're getting cranky. They're asking you questions. Your service is, you know, coming down on you because the level of work that you're doing is not what you have set as the bar, what everyone expects from you. Now, all of a sudden, you're emotionally tired at the end of the day. This particular child that has changed all this dynamic in your service has caused some upset have turned the apple cart and now you're feeling all this pressure and you don't know how to manage it you don't know how to move around it you then start questioning why you're doing what you're doing you then try blindly oh i'm going to make all these activities and i'm going to do this and i'm going to do that and then all of a sudden you're in this cesspit of exhaustion and nothing is sustainable and you don't like what you do anymore. That's because we don't have a plan. We haven't really looked at what's working, what's not working. Why is it not working? Is this sustainable in the long term? How many of you have considered the worst case scenario? The worst case scenario. What plans have you got in place to protect yourself in the worst case scenario? Worst case scenario is you fall over and you break your back. You can't work while you're recovering. Luckily, you you, you didn't paralyze yourself, but you can't work. You've slipped a disc, you can't bend over, you can't pick children up onto the change mat, uh, you can't put them in cots, all that sort of stuff. You are off work for the next three and a half months as you recover. What have you got in plan? What have you got in place for that? So it's not that we're hoping that this happens, But the level of security that that gives you, knowing that you've covered yourself so that you don't have to stress at the most vulnerable time of your life, allows you to then be far more creative in your work and and to come up with plans and ideas that could benefit you, the children and the families you work with. Okay, so having this forethought into your business model means that you really look at what you're doing and you're going, hang on a second, if I'm spending two hours a day on documentation, A, is that sustainable? B, is that generating income? Now, for you, a family daycare educator, the generation of income, being able to generate more income can be hindered somewhat by, you know, only being able to put your fees up once a year. So therefore, what we have to do is we have to take our hourly rate and spread it further so you want to be paid for professional development hours that you do you want to and you have to pay for your own professional development right 
So you have to take this into consideration. You also have to look at the hours that it takes you to open your service in the morning. You know, do you spend an hour sweeping your play space and making sure everything's ready? You might you might have four of your own children who are like tornadoes and leave the house trashed in the morning. So you've then got to go through and get the house ready for your families to arrive so that everything's schmick and, and is hunky-dory for when the children arrive. So that might take you an hour in the morning. Do your daily safety checklist. You're clearing spider webs. If you live in the bush, you're checking for snakes. Trust me, you have to do that. <laughs> I have had a snake in my couch. Um, I have had one inside too, <laughs> just by the by. <laughs> and that was terrifying. Um, so you have to be able to have these things covered. If it takes you, if you want to really, you know, once the, I mean, I, I feel like I nailed this. I'm just, you know, checking my nails here as I do this and flicking my hair. I feel like I nailed this because I got a lot of this work done. My after closing time work done with the, the children. All right, so we're going to get into that. But if you wait for the children to go and then you're cleaning up your environment, that might take another hour. So all of a sudden, your eight-hour working day has actually turned into 10 hours working day. So you want to make sure that you're covering that when you set your fees. You want to also say, I have a budget that I want to spend 1500 on professional development this year. Uh, I want to have four weeks paid leave. I need to pay my, I think it's 11% super, whatever it is. I don't focus on that anymore because I'm employed by my business. And so my business does all that. Um, so I think it's about 11%, 13%, I don't know, but you'll have to look that up. Um, and then you've also got to pay your tax and also have 10 days sick leave. So pretty soon... That and when I was working as a family daycare educator, I worked three 10 hour days and my income was roughly around 70,000. Now it's been maybe five, six years since I worked as a family daycare educator, so my fees would have dramatically gone up in that the last five years. So go back to 2017, I think, was when I was working as a family daycare educator. Anyway, I was on $11.50 an hour less educator levy. So, um, or maybe I was twelve fifty an hour. Anyway, what you need to do is you need to then go, okay, well, I want my income to be X. These are the known expenses I know I'm going to have this year. And that could be an additional five hours a week for cleaning, or maybe you might want to get yourself a cleaner um, and I think you'll probably find a lot of cleaners will put down that they clean the family daycare environment and then you can claim the whole thing, even though they're doing the house and all the rest of it. But check with your accountant. Don't take my word for it. <laughs> um, so, you know, you, you might want to allow an additional five hours a week for uh, sundries. You know, that could be professional development, could be work meetings, like meetings with your service. It could be that you um, want to have planning time, blah, blah, blah. So you need to factor all of that into your hourly rate. So you start with the end in mind and then you work backwards. So you know what your fees are going to be. You know what your educator levy is. You know what your, uh, roughly, you should know what your power is going to be and all those sorts of things. And you put that together and then
then you work out what your hourly rate needs to be. This is how you make a calculated decision as to what your fees should be. If you base your fees on what everyone around you is doing, that's not sound business making decisions because every individual person's expenses are different. So this is where we start to really take a microscope and look at our business and start understanding what is actually going in our business for long-term survival. You also should be pre-planning two to three years ahead and looking at things that are going to be coming up particularly around resources. Maybe you know that your computer is not going to last another two years. You need to put a little bit aside so that you can have those resources. You can have the funds there to purchase another computer. You need that for your work. Maybe you need to get a new device for families to sign in because someone dropped your one, right? We always need to be having these contingencies in place. This is sound business um, principles. And I'm betting there's not too many of you that have actually thought about it from that perspective. And that is okay, because we aren't taught that. The only reason I know this is because I engaged a business coach, best investment I ever made. And I wish there had have been me <laughs> out there for me. <laughs> When I was doing family daycare, I would have made a whole lot of decisions differently and I would have felt supported. So let's also think about what success means for you, for you to be running a successful business. What does that mean? What does that look like? Does it look like families that are completely and utterly on board with every everything that you do within your service where possible? Uh, you know, it, that means that you have to be ultra clear on your what you will accept, what your boundaries are around wellness, children coming into your space um, after they've been unwell. Like, are you really clear on that? And when you're really clear on that, it's easier to say no to people. But the best way to say no to people is to qualify them when you're interviewing them. So that means you have to have really clear processes. And if any of you are the VIP members of the um, summit that we put on earlier this year, I implore you to go back and listen to Marie Kirkpatrick's um, session. She talked all about that and how a customer journey should be replicable. When it's replicable, it means that it's easy to pick up when something goes wrong. It's easier for you to go back and tweak the systems that you have when you do it the same way every time. That also creates efficiency and, and greater effectiveness comes from these systems when there is a, a system in place and we can follow it because everybody gets told the same thing. Everybody gets given the same thing. Everybody, You have the same conversation with everybody so that everybody is clear and there's no misinterpretation that can occur. So again, this comes back to having a plan in your business. What is it that's acceptable for you? And qualifying those people before they come in. It's the same with um, when you meet with a service. Now, some services will just take anybody. That to me is terrifying. 
I've said no to a number of educators and I've had a number of educators leave my service because maybe at the beginning I wasn't very clear, well, not maybe, in the beginning I wasn't very clear on the boundaries that I had and the expectations I had of people who will engage in my game. And Rainbow Bridge Family Daycare is definitely my game. I hold that space. I hold the ultimate responsibility that goes with it. That's the same with every single approved provider. They hold the and nominated supervisors. They hold the financial responsibility. So if you want to argue with everything that your service is doing because it doesn't feel right, can I just suggest that you either shut up or remove yourself from that situation and find somewhere where you're not going to be arguing because that approved provider at the end of the day has the say and will be the one that foots the bill when stuff goes south, if it goes south, right? So if you're with a service that isn't qualifying their educators and they're just taking anybody, to me that's a massive liability to you We've seen it in the past where services get shut down overnight. They get shut down overnight and then all of a sudden you're scrambling to find another service. That is extremely stressful. So you want to align yourself with a service that has high standards to protect your business. Are you going to pay more for that? You bloody well should because it takes a lot to maintain high standards. Now, if you're an educator that wants high standards, but you're charging below the cap, there's a misalignment there. And I really encourage you to look at the story that you're telling yourself around your fees. Why are you keeping that low? I don't know how anybody can make a profit and everybody should should be making a profit in family daycare. I don't know how anybody could be making a profit when you're charging under the cap. It's it's mismanagement. It really is. It's mismanagement. So this is all around sustainable practices and being sustainable in the work that you do. This conversation is so important and needs to happen more frequently so that you really understand that Running a family daycare business is not just running a family daycare business. It is running a legitimate business and you need to have these things in place. That's how you're going to be here for the long haul. So these effective business strategies, we cover this, you know, in the essential elements. And if there's areas that my members in the essential elements are unsure about, they have so much opportunity to talk about within our membership in the Q&As and the masterclasses and whatnot as well. So um, we can't afford to wing these decisions. Like again, I come back to like Coles and Woolworths and Myers and David Jones and big places like that. They have teams They will have an accounts team. They will have a human resources team. They will have probably policy teams. They have safety teams, right? All these things land on your shoulders, but don't think for a second that these teams all don't get together multiple times of the year and have discussions and are answerable to somebody. 
They're answerable to the CEO, right? That's kind of like you, you're the CEO. So you have to be able to put yourself into these different aspects of your business and you need to be tracking them and knowing what's happening where and when and why and be able to go, oh, do you know what? And we can look at them as different levers. And at some certain times you're going to have a lever that's down 100% and it is go, 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 go. So for my team, we're about to head into the end of year where we redo all of our documentation. So they're about to pull their administrative lever. Now we have our systems really fine tuned. There's templates for everything. We've, we've made adjustments in the office, um, which means that we're trying to create less work for our team and less work for ourselves because we're all about efficiency. So we, we run um, a shared drive system. So that saves a lot of time. We, uh, our educators upload straight into their drive. We have access to everything in real time. Uh, we can track things. We use a, um, an app that helps us track a whole lot of stuff like this. It's just, you know, for some people it's probably meh. for us, it's next level. It revolutionized our business and it cut our administrative administrative tasks by about 80% in the office. That was a huge savings. It also decreased the amount of mistakes that were made from the back end, from the office side. Um, because we can see at a glance where everything is. These things are available for you too, or you can get with a service that is super proactive when it comes to organization administration, because that's the stuff where people get caught out when a department comes. It's those kinds of things that, that catch people up. They're not on top of their documentation. They're not on top of like, we had a, an authorized officer come and tell us that they went and did a visit with an educator and they asked for some enrollment folders, folders, enrollment information. And this educator was going from room to room in her house, pulling things out of cupboards here and there and everywhere and trying to gather everything together. Like I was completely dumbfounded and I was like, so what happened? And they said, oh, well, um, we just had to talk to them about it, about having good practices around enrollment stuff. And I'm like, that to me is insane. All of our educators have a folder. Everything's in the fold. Like it's next level organization, but I don't feel safe <laughs> if I didn't know what was happening and how my educators were working. Right. And if your service to me being in family daycare now, I wouldn't want to be anywhere that doesn't hold me accountable. Uh, and doesn't work with me and give me the systems and, and, and things to follow to keep you in track. Because what that actually does is it takes away a massive amount of concern and worry that just goes on in the back of your head all the time, right? When you have these systems in place and you know that you can just pull anything up in a moment's notice, the level of calm that you feel because everything is organized can't be under underrated or underestimated. So I kind of went on a bit of a tangent there and I didn't mean to, and I lost my train of thought. Um, so we don't want to wing things anymore. We, we really want to have all of our systems dialed down. So as I said, yeah, that's where I was. So our educators are about to pull their administrative lever, 
right? And this is where people start thinking, oh, could this be done better? Could that be done better? How would that work? What am I going to do to make that easier than what it was last year? Right. So we then can have adjustment with our lever and you might then take the lever around professional development off a little bit. You might say, "Okay, I'm going to focus on that for now. For some of you, you might already have that administrative lever, like just you might be one of those people that's just super, super organized all year round. So that lever only ever sits at 50 percent. But you might say, I'm feeling a bit drained. I'm feeling a bit uninspired. I'm feeling like, meh, I love what I do, but I've just kind of lost my way a little bit. So for you, you might be looking to pull that professional development lever. You might be looking to pull that and join the essential elements just quietly (laughs) because maybe you don't know anything about levers and you feel like it's time that you do and you know when you come hang out with me like you get heaps of value from me now you don't have to come into the essential elements it may not be the right time or the right thing for everybody but for those of you out there that are feeling like I'm lost like I know what she's saying but I don't know how to do it you need to come into the essential elements because this is where you learn this stuff you get more of this within the course right So you might be wanting to pull that lever. Then there's other levers, a financial lever. You might go, okay, I'm I'm going on holidays for two weeks over Christmas. So I need to back off on purchasing resources and uh, really pull my budget in so that I've got more cash for when I'm on leave. Or if you attended the Profitable FDC, you've already got your holidays paid for because you've made those adjustments. So you might not have to pull that lever at all. So can you see how when you look at these different aspects and you have these business meetings with yourself and you look at these different parts of your role and the different parts of your business, you know and you can plan for this when those times are going to be when you need to start adjusting those levers and making a difference within your business and touching on different areas. This is how other businesses run. And solopreneurs too do the same thing. Well, they should be. I would hope they are. (laughs) So long-term planning too is really vitally important for that sustainable long-term practice uh you can't just go from year to year to year without having a plan because you're just going to be running on the same circle and eventually you're just going to wear yourself down you're going to be burnt out we need to have challenge we need to be having a direction and a goal so this is where long-term planning comes into place so uh I'm actually going to, in early December, run a planning session for 2024 where I'll teach you how to plan um, for things to happen in your business uh, and beyond. So we want to have the next two to three years mapped out. So uh, they're loosely and things change and things happen. The last few years have taught us anything. It's definitely taught us that, that. But when you have a plan you can it's easier to go okay so I still want to get there I just need to go this way instead of that way to get there that's cool okay problem solved whereas people that don't have a plan 
are still over in the corner hyperventilating in the fetal position because they don't have a direction they're moving in. So this feels like the world's worst thing that could ever have possibly happened to them. So <laughs> having these long-term planning things are so vitally important. Um, we want to balance profit and purpose too. So that's a really important factor as well. We want to be profitable. And for anyone out there who's saying, well, I'm not in childcare to make a profit, you're full of shit. Sorry, but that is like, there's got to be an equal exchange of energy right? There's got to be an equal exchange of energy. No one does anything without an expectation, right? And if you want to run a successful business that can be there, that means you can show up for the children in the most authentic and loving way without a stress in the world, you still need to be profitable. Why? Why do we have this thing in early childhood education, particularly in family daycare, where we shouldn't make a profit? You're working. You deserve to have good things in your life. You work hard, harder than most people. You should be rewarded for that financially. There's got to be an equal exchange of energy. You don't have to be poor. All these people that are working for $23 an hour, sorry, no way. You can't run a successful business. You might do that for $23 an hour, guaranteed you won't be here in five years' time. Because <laughs> you need to pay your bills. You need to buy a house, or you might want to buy a house, or you might want to buy an investment property. If you're not buying a house for yourself, for your super, you need to put super aside. Oh my goodness, the stats I saw the other day the majority of Australians only have enough super, and I don't know if this is true or not, but this person was saying that the majority of Australians only have enough super tucked away for um, at least five or six years. Like, that is just insane to me. Absolutely insane. So, you know, I, I just think we've really got to put ourselves first in this instance. We've really got to put ourselves first. We have to champion ourselves. If you are burning out, if you are struggling in your business, it's because you're not putting the most important thing in your business first, which is you. Now, that means being profitable so that you can go and get a massage. You can Go and see a psychologist if you want to see a psychologist. You can go on holidays. You can afford to put food on your children's table. You can buy the resources you want to buy. You can do the professional development you want to do. This keeps you happy in the job that you do. You can't be happy when you're not making ends meet. So if you disagree with that, tell me how. I'm really curious to know how you can be happy doing what you're doing when you can't pay your bills, when you can't feed your family, when you can't afford to go on a holiday. How, how are you happy doing that? And will you continue doing it for 10 years? Because let me tell you, I've said it before and I'll say it again. The families you are bending over backwards for now 
are not going to do the same thing for you when you're 70. They're just not. They're not even going to remember who you are. They're not. The kids will have no idea who you are. And there you will be at 70 on the bones of your ass, not being able to put the heater on in winter because you didn't want to upset them by charging at least the CCS cap. We've got to get away from this and we've got to stand in our power and we have got to make ourselves profitable in our business because it matters. You matter. You deserve it. You deserve good things in your life. And it's not off the back of children. That is such a twisted and sick way to think. When you're in family daycare, you are doing all the things. And you should be paid for doing all the things. So I saw this quote the other day. The very notion of self-care is problematic as it individualizes a problem that is the result of overloaded and toxic systems. Individuals not coping is a normal response to extreme pressure over a long period of time. And that comes from Minky Vanderwalt. So the idea that we should be not charging a profit, working ourselves to the bone, and then we should be doing self-care practices. Like I've said so many times before, self-care is more than a bath and a face mask. Self-care is looking at your business from a business perspective, putting things in place so that you aren't left shortchanged at the end of the week. That's what self-care is. Self-care is putting boundaries in place. Self-care is having difficult, tough conversations with yourself and making decisions that might make you vomit a little bit in your mouth. But let me tell you, that's the decision that is probably the right one. What it's doing is pushing the stories that you tell in your head. It's pushing, it's challenging. It's, it's pushing the ceiling you've set for yourself. What will happen once you hit that ceiling? It's time to make the ceiling the new floor. It's time to rise above that and have a new iteration of yourself. So this is how we make our businesses sustainable. Once you get this stuff right, dealing with documentation and all the next comes easy. I think those of us that are struggling with documentation and all that sort of stuff can sometimes be using that as an excuse to not look at the bigger picture and the most fundamental part of our business, which is we don't have business plans. So that's what we need to shift. When we can get the profitability thing right, when we can get these parts of our business right, we prevent burnout because we can see it coming from a mile off and we can go, oh, oh time to change the levers that I'm pulling right now because I can't keep doing this. You pick it up before it happens. And if you don't, because sometimes it's a bit ingrained in us, at least we can look back and reflect on what it was that was out of kilter. And we can then adjust those levers accordingly. And then, of course, it's community and collaboration. It's working together. It's working with your service. It's working with your coordinator. 
It's finding a group of other educators who are on the same page. I've been out in the social media world and some of the stuff that I used to see happening in in that was just scary. It was just scary. I didn't want to associate with those people, so I started my own community. And you're a part of it, clearly, because you're listening to this. So that is a really big part because we need people to call us on our bullshit. We need people to call us on the stories that we're saying. We need people to probe further and go, hang on, we're struggling with documentation. Yep, cool, get that. But what's actually underneath that? Have you got a plan? What's your plan? What are the things you're working on right now? So if that is calling to you, doors for the essential elements open next week. Jump on the wait list because when you get on the wait list, there are these two awesome bonuses that I cannot wait to share with you that you will be able to use every single day in your business. Let it take the load off a little bit. (laughs) And they're just two of the bonuses you'll get. There are other bonuses that will come along during the week as well. Uh, And anyone that joins from the waitlist will automatically get all of the bonuses as they are released through the week, which is exciting. Uh, So jump onto the waitlist now. You can go there via our website, www.bigheartededucation.com, or you can get there from Instagram into our um, the link in our bio. Um, you can jump on the waitlist there. I also have the intentionality and play in FDC mini course. So Essential Elements opens for the week, Monday the 30th through to Friday the, I think it's the 3rd of November. Um, yeah, so Essential Elements doors are open from Monday to Friday with the sneaky waitlist doors opening two days beforehand. So they will open on Saturday. If you're on the waitlist and you purchase into the essential elements, you'll get these great bonuses. And then every other bonus that comes along as well. If you're on the fence and you decide to join somewhere between the 30th and the 3rd, that's totally cool too. There'll be some bonuses for you as well. Um, But we have the the intentionality and play in FDC course that runs from Tuesday the 31st to Thursday the 2nd of November. So that's free to join. So if you're just new to the community here, all good, totally cool. We love having new friends here. Uh, And maybe you're just dipping your toes in. This is the perfect opportunity for you to see what it's like working with me. Uh, And everyone is free to join. So you can also register uh, I will give you the link. Uh, I'll put the link in the show notes, but there's also the link on our bio uh, and um, there's ads floating around as well. And I'll do a post with the link uh, so that you can jump on. If you scroll back through the Instagram feed or our Facebook page, you'll find the links in there as well. Um, I actually don't know why I don't have that on my website. I probably should have done that. There we go. See all the moving parts and I missed a really important one there. Uh, So anyway, you can, you'll find it. The information is there for everybody. So I hope this has given you some food for thought today because this is really important and and I really want to see educators just valuing what they do, valuing themselves. That's, that's my goal for you. 
Anyway, friends, thank you so much for joining me today. I look forward to seeing you in the intentionality and play in FDC. And uh, there's over 440 people registered for this now. So um, just blows my mind. It is so exciting and I can't wait to share all of this goodness with everybody. So friends, thank you very much. Have a beautiful day and I will talk with you all soon from me. All the way to you, big love. Hi friend, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you got a lot out of today's episode. When we work on our own, we can sometimes be in a silo. So having new perspectives and different ways of looking at things is vitally important for the growth of our individual selves and our professional selves as well. We love feedback, so if you felt compelled to share what you thought of today's podcast, we would love to read your thoughts. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcast. That helps our podcast to get out to the wider community. And the more that hear what we have to share, we think the better it is. Thanks so much, friend. We'll see you next time. Till then, big love.